Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC Studios, I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my Daily Politics Podcast. It's Thursday, November 3rd. Is there a Democratic and Republican way to fight inflation? Inflation, as you all know, is one of the biggest issues for voters this year, and Republican candidates are running on it much more than Democrats, indicating both parties believe the issue gives Republicans an edge. But who listening right now can name the specific Republican approaches that they're running on to fight inflation? Mm -hmm, I'm looking, I'm looking. I don't think I see a lot of hands going up or raised hand emojis. Democrats, how about you? Can you say what your party's anti-inflation policies actually are or will be? Maybe the only thing most Americans know is that the Federal Reserve Board raised interest rates another three-quarters of a point yesterday with the goal of cooling off hot price increases that way. So let's take a closer look. Is there a Democratic and Republican way to fight inflation? And how do credible experts evaluate the two? With me now is Jim Tankersley, New York Times White House correspondent specializing in economic policy. Jim, thanks for coming on for this. Welcome back to WNYC. Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure. So, Jim, you have an article called Democrats Spent $2 Trillion to Save the Economy. They Don't Want to Talk About It. What signature policy is that that you're referring to? So that is the uh, American Rescue Plan that uh, President Biden uh, pushed quickly through the Congress right after taking office in 2021. If you remember, we were still sort of in um, coming out of the depths of the pandemic recession. Um, the economy had started to wobble a little bit at the start of the year. Um, and there were still obviously a, a lot of concerns uh, across the country with the virus. And so the president passed this bill that included all sorts of things, um, large amounts of money for state and local governments, uh, more money for businesses to afford their way through the difficulties, direct payments to Americans like up to $1,400 each, uh, an expanded child tax credit. So a lot of money, um, a lot of direct aid to the economy, and um, a lot of thought by Democrats at the time that it would be a big political winner, which it has not turned out to be. Yeah. You note that Republicans are framing that as one of the causes of inflation. How much do independent economists agree? Well, I, I mean, economists generally agree that the fiscal stimulus that the United States did, which started under uh, President Trump, but, but really uh, continued under President Biden, uh, has contributed to inflation. It's um, not all of it. And the ranges certainly vary by a lot. The Fed had a lot to do with it as well. Supply chain challenges have had a lot to do with it. And what we've seen over the last year has included inflation in, in oil prices, for example, related to the war in Ukraine. So it's, it's certainly not the only factor. And economists don't have like a consensus on how much of a factor it is. But um, politically, that's not how Republicans are playing it. Republicans are playing it as if this particular bill is sort of the, the point of the spear on government spending increases that they say have driven all of the inflation uh, surge in the United States under President Biden, um, which does, does not match with uh, how most economists would look at it. What do Democrats say caused the inflation we have so far? So Democrats have leaned much more into the supply chains globally, um, the sort of pandemic effects, a lot of sort of 
factors outside of the president's control, and they point to, in particular, the fact that Europe and other wealthy nations have also experienced a high inflation, especially over the last year. Um, a lot of Democrats talk about the war in Ukraine uh, and its effect on oil prices, which truly um, the, the spike in gas prices over the last year uh, has, has probably been the most economically detrimental thing to President Biden. Voters tend to punish presidents for high gas prices. Um, so Democrats have really um, leaned on that. And a, a few Democrats, and, and I, I should be very clear, some Democratic economists, veterans of the Obama administration, do blame the um, the president's stimulus bill for some of the inflation uh, that we've seen. But Democrats are leaning much more on this, these sort of um, outside uh, forces. And then they're trying to talk about the, the things that the President Biden and their party have done to, to attempt to to solve those. Right. So we spent a few minutes on the blame side for inflation past, uh, which is a lot of the Republican argument and why Democrats don't want to talk about the stimulus bill, even though it did so much to save people, uh, you know, from from poverty. Really, our segment yesterday uh, included how various emergency economic measures during the height of the pandemic, reduce poverty in the United States, especially child poverty. So maybe it had those multiple effects. But let's look at Democratic and Republican approaches going forward. Biden and the Democratic Congress also passed this year what they call the Inflation Reduction Act. And you report that Republicans are running on repealing the Inflation Reduction Act. So what do the Democrats claim the Inflation Reduction Act will do to slow inflation, I think the first thing that comes to people's mind is that this is a climate bill. And and why do the Republicans want it gone? So it is a climate bill. It's also a health care bill, and it's a, it's a tax bill. Um, and <clears throat> I think there's a, sort of an interesting distinction uh, in the Inflation Reduction Act that kind of gets conflated on the campaign trail. There's a difference between reducing the inflation rate and reducing some costs Americans pay in hopes of helping them deal with higher inflation. A lot of the arguments Democrats are making about the Inflation Reduction Act really boil down to that second one. Um, the big one is is the reduction in um, prescription drug costs for seniors on Medicare, especially insulin, is the, the insulin cap for, for payments is, is a thing that Democrats have really leaned into on the campaign trail that this would do. There's also measures uh, the climate measures include a lot of measures to help utilities transition to lower carbon sources of electricity um, in ways that, you know, Democrats say will help make electric bills um, less expensive going forward. Um, so they talk about, you know, paying less for health care. They talk about paying less for uh, prescription drugs. They talk about paying less for electricity as part of this bill. And then there's also the fact that the bill reduces the federal budget deficit slightly, which economists find over time will have a, a depending on the economist, a small or a very small effect on uh, inflation by pulling some consumer spending power out of the economy. And the way it does that basically is by raising taxes on uh, corporations. And so it sounds like there are some long-term inflation-fighting measures in this bill, or at least ones that are intended to work long-term. Short-term, maybe the most concrete thing I heard in your answer there uh, was capping the cost of insulin uh, for people with diabetes on Medicare. Um, Other things that you would target really short-term, like inflation now is 8%, this might make it, um, you know, less for certain groups of people right away? 
Well, so the the, the thing that, that um, President Biden has just started leaning into, that progressives have been trying to get him to do for a long time, uh, that could conceivably, un, under Democrats' theory of the economy, have some effect on inflation pretty soon, is sort of attempting to pressure corporations to, uh, uh, including big oil companies, which are the ones that, that Biden has really gone after in the last week or so, um, to sort of reduce their profit margins. Basically, it's an argument that inflation is coming in large part because corporations are taking advantage of the economic environment right now to raise prices higher than they otherwise would be in a competitive market. And the president is basically saying, hey, oil companies, you need to pass on the some of these huge record profits you're reporting, you need to pass those back to consumers in the form of lower gas prices. You're artificially keeping gas prices up. If somehow that sort of jawboning were to work, and if that was the sort of thing where, whether through government you know, rhetorical pressure or some sort of some sort of other pressure, he's the president's proposed a windfall profits tax. Um, if that were to work, that could conceivably start bringing prices down right away. But most of what's in the Inflation Reduction Act, if you look at the analyses of it, is not going to you know bring down that inflation rate anytime soon. And and I think that is sort of the problem with everybody's um, inflation promises right now is that everybody says they're they're committed to it. Hardly anybody is running on a real get stuff you know get that rate down right now platform in large part because most economists think that's the Fed's job and, and, and not, the, not the president's. Well, when the Republicans run saying they want to repeal the Inflation Reduction Act that the Democrats in Congress passed, um, what's their argument for that? Even if the Inflation Reduction Act is targeted at more longer-term inflation for the most part, why do the Republicans argue that we shouldn't even have that? Well, Republicans are arguing uh, in part that the corporate tax increases, which are largely focused on big multinationals like Amazon um, that pay relatively low uh, tax rates in the United States right now, um, they're arguing that when you raise taxes like the Inflation Reduction Act does on those companies, those companies are going to respond by raising prices. And that, that, in fact, contributes to inflation. That's, that's not how most economists see the relationship between taxes and inflation they sort of see it as the opposite that if you're if you're raising money whether it's uh, from from raising taxes or, or you're keeping more money by cutting spending that the, the government reducing its budget deficit they think is is likely to be better over time uh, for inflation um, but Republicans are arguing the opposite basically just just that on the tax side that if you if you tax corporations more they're going to raise prices more and therefore it's going to be inflationary. So that's a, a big part of their argument for why it's it would help inflation to repeal the Inflation Reduction Act. Sheldon in Forest Hills has kind of a basic 101 question, I think. Sheldon, you're on WNYC. Hello. So I, I, uh, I don't mean to be a smart guy, uh, uh, smart ass. Uh, Jim uh, has, has summarized it pretty clearly, but I've got a basic question. What is inflation? Many economists, such as Adam Tooze, and others like Brad Long think that maybe we're not in this hellish wage spiral that that uh, was such a fearsome problem in in the eighties and 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 nineties. That uh, we've got a situation here that has clearly been brought on by the uh, the pandemic, uh, the war in Ukraine, uh, supply chains, uh, and and the um, and it's a worldwide 
problem. So what is inflation? Uh, classically, it's uh, too much money chasing too few goods. If you're going to in- introduce austerity, then you're going to you're going to clamp down, and which is what the, the Fed is doing. You're going to clamp down on the ability to increase supply. That's counterproductive. That's one of the things that Adam Tooze, who's a distinguished professor at NYU, um, worries about, that there will be a worldwide synchronization of austerity, which will bring on a depression or a severe recession to, mm-hmm. to outpace what happened in, in 2007-2008. Sheldon, thank you very much. Interesting call. Um, do you know that economist, Tooze, or what else would you say to Sheldon about yeah, I, the, I, the global context here? Well, first off, I would say that that, that is a really um, articulate summary of, of a possibility here and, and, and really well put. Um, the idea that, you know, what, one of the things we worry about with inflation is the idea that it will become entrenched, that it's companies are raising prices, so workers will then demand higher wages, and then people will just raise their expectations and start to think, well, you know, prices are going to go up 10% every year in perpetuity, and they can become, you know, what, what economists call a spiral, which would be very bad. Um, the caller is right. I, I, there's not great evidence still that that is happening yet in the United States. The, the wages have gone up, but but not in the way that you would see from a spiral. Um, there's still real questions about whether American workers even have the bargaining power to demand those kind of wa- wages right now in the economy. And most importantly, as the caller suggests, there are all these other factors. This is not a normal time in the economy. There really, there's been this huge shift in spending from services to goods around the world as a result of the pandemic, but still massive supply chain problems in getting those goods to people. Um, you know, anybody who's tried to order a car or, or a sofa or anything in the last couple of years can attest that, that it just still takes a lot longer than you might expect. So um, it's true that governments are working really hard to try to expand, to, to smooth supply chains, ex- expand capacity, get more people back into the workforce, all the things that could help with the supply side of this problem. Um, I, I do think that sort of there is this thought among um, some economists, though, many economists, that you have to work both sides of this, that, that yes, that you can do so much about supply, but but you have to pull some demand out of the economy because, um, in particular, fiscal and monetary stimulus uh, throughout the pandemic has left a lot of people with a lot of money to spend, and you have to find some sort of way to cool that spending down, or, or you're going to have a hard time getting getting inflation kind of under control. So that's so, that's sort of the other side of the caller's argument. So, and again, thank thank you for a great call, Sheldon. Um, to our theme of if there's a Democratic and Republican way to fight inflation, are people in either party running against these Federal Reserve Board interest rate hikes, citing that kind of risk of of a of a global slowdown, as you know, calling it austerity, as Sheldon did, or citing a risk of a of a severe global economic slowdown because there's going to be too much austerity. They're going to put the brakes on too hard in this country and everywhere. Uh, there are some um, some Democrats, progressive Democrats, are increasingly, and labor unions, starting to sound that exact argument. They're basically saying the Fed is risking uh, a debilitating global recession, um, and they're going to throw millions of people out of work for, for no reason. This is corporate profits are the problem and, and not 
um, and not interest rates and you need to stop. And that's that's a group that includes Senator Elizabeth Warren. Um, it, it has broadened and Bernie Sanders. It has broadened to include even even some um, folks you might not consider kind of the, the Warren wing of the party, like Senator John Hickenlooper of Colorado. So Democrats are starting to say this increasingly with the big and notable exception of the president who keeps saying, uh, I respect the Fed's independence. And I think mm. that, you know, it's a good thing that they're raising rates because it's going to help get inflation under control. So there's a divide among Democrats right now. Not a lot of Republicans are run, running against the Fed that I have seen. Um, they, they're more saying that, hey, these interest rate heights are necessary to curb the inflation that is Biden's fault. And so that is um, that's sort of their way of looking at it. But yeah, that, that's the Fed has not become a huge campaign trail issue, but I absolutely think it will be an enormous issue in Washington in the next year. Yeah, interesting. And I think for a little bit of context, uh, and we get amnesia so quickly, didn't Donald Trump, when he was president, rail against the Fed for raising interest rates even a little bit when the economy was heating up under his watch? Absolutely, he did. Um, So, so yes, that is a big reason why President Biden has, has not um, you know, pressured the Fed is that they have they've made such a point of saying he was going to treat the Fed differently than the President Trump did. One more call before we run out of time. Mike and Merrick, you're on WNYC. Hi, Mike. Hey, good morning, Brian. Thanks for having me, and uh, thanks for what you do. Um, yeah, I, I feel like the Democrats have a horrible, you know, they they have a horrible messaging. They always do, and the Republicans always beat them on messaging. Um, and, and it's you know we don't talk about. You know, the big Trump uh, Republican tax cut. We don't talk about COVID, how that affects the supply chain, all of that stuff. I mean, I know it's in drips and drabs, but it, it doesn't resonate. It doesn't resonate to voters. And unfortunately, nothing gets done in Washington because everyone's, it's all politics. Everyone's just fighting back and forth. You want to solve something, how about we get rid of, you know, just like the Republican caller just said before, you know, they're all worried about food stamps and all that. So why don't we just get rid of food stamps and WIC and just have a child tax credit? And that'll help, you know, poor people. And there you go. Now the Republicans can fight that. Now they can't say, oh, you're giving free free food to people. No, now you're giving them, you know, a a child tax credit, which actually helped me and my wife during the pandemic. uh Uh-huh, money to Uh, put food in. We're middle-class kids. Money to put food in their mouths. Well, did the Democrats ever consider anything that changes the policy to have the same effect, but without the Republican attack points? And and are they, and you know, Mike articulates at the beginning of his call, a very common uh, refrain that we're hearing from Democratic Party supporters these days, which is you're not running on your economic accomplishments, which are real, start doing it. And I think you wrote an article uh, the other day about Biden starting to do that more. So talk about how they've pivoted in this end game of the campaign season. We got to go in about 30 seconds. Sure. Yeah. No, Biden has talked a lot about um, about the, the economy. He's really tried to stress in particular the job market and the fact that the economy has bounced back much faster than it did from the, the last enormous recession. Um, he talked about his infrastructure bill. He's the Democrats are really leaning into his semiconductor chips uh, advanced manufacturing bill that he signed. And then they really are 
I'm trying to stress the accomplishments, particularly on the insulin and, and prescription drug side of the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. So the president's trying to make that um, the case over and over and over again. It's it's not driving the message maybe in the way that a lot of Democrats would like it to be. But um, as we head into the elections, it's really his closing argument is I've done all these things and Republicans want to ro- roll them back. And also they're going to threaten Social Security and Medicare. That's what the president said. Jim Tankersley, White House correspondent focusing on economic policy for The New York Times. Jim, thanks so much. It's a real pleasure. Thanks for having me. Brian Lehrer, a daily politics podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.